0: Cut them down, tell them that God's gonna cut them down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweep He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time
1: Republic Broadcasting, look, Republic Broadcasting Network. This is Talk with John. I am looking forward to speaking with you and uh, having a conversation with you today. You can feel free to call in. We're going to be having David Pine join us. Uh, just real quickly, uh, just spoke uh, for Frank. Go ahead and reach out to him. In about sixty seconds, he'll be ready to come on. Uh, so. Saturdays from 4 to 5 Mountain Time, 5 to 6 Central. You can join me right here on Republic Broadcasting Network here on Talk with John. And I look forward to being with you for the remainder of the day. Uh, David Pine uh, will be more than happy to take some phone calls with us. And, uh, but first, before I get into further introducing him, let me go ahead and just get my show off to a proper start, as it were. And I look forward to this conversation with all of you today. It's going to be a great one. All right. So uh, first things first, let's get this show off to a proper start by saying, uh, giving out my show prayers at where I hope my show is a gift back to my forefathers, the founding fathers, and may it be an acceptable token to our father above. Then uh, the show mantra. Where there is liberty, there is the Spirit of Christ. Where the Spirit of Christ is, there will be liberty. And the greater the Spirit of Christ, the greater liberty will be. Um, Liberty, to me, is the responsibility side. It's the spiritual side. It's the action side of freedom. So it's more than just freedom. Just because you're able to do a thing, just because you're free to do a thing, doesn't mean you should do it. So, uh And I think we're going to – I'm going to have David Pine joining me, and one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about uh, Ukraine, uh, the latest situation in Russia, and uh, we will be getting into that right away. But David Pine is the uh, field director, national director of – Uh, you know what? I was switching in between my fields and his information go. So uh, he is over the MP task force and he is the, there we go. David Pine is a former U S combat arms and Headquarters staff officer officer who was in charge of armed cooperation with former Soviet Union? Um, he is now over the task force for a task force on national homeland security, and is a member of the committee on present danger-China. He recently co-authored a best-selling book, uh, "Catastrophe Now: America's Last Chance to Avoid an EMP Disaster." Uh, he also serves the edip- editor of the Real War newsletter at well, w- com, and also a contributor on the National Interest. Um, folks, you can find out more about him uh, by going to his Substack, and uh, I'll have him giving that out here shortly, but David Pine, for the you listeners, uh, has been with me several times, and has an understanding of uh i think with the bottom line is he has a very good understanding of what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia war shall we call it i don't know conflict and also has a very good understanding of what's happening with China and trying to sound the alarm bell and let people know hey we are going to be possibly facing some EMP issues as well. And uh, he's all about giving solutions and how we can make that not happen and how we can take care of ourselves. So, David Pine, thank you for joining me. Appreciate you being here, brother.
2: Thanks, John. Great to be back.
1: All right. So, um, let's just start off kind of what I think was the biggest story over the last, uh, well, right around – it, I, I can't remember if it was the same day or the day before the Republican National Convention, but it was even brought up the the National Republican Convention, uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin's former buddy, his plane went down. Uh, the Wagner chief, Pogosian, say that properly for me, would you? Pogosian. Uh, what His plane went down. Now, um, the, she said, uh, in her, in one of the point at one of the times where she took over the mic at the you know, Republican convention that, uh, uh, went after someone that you support, uh, strongly Vivek Ramaswamy went after him, uh, saying, Hey, you know, Putin took, just took down, uh, Prigozhin and, uh, but, Every, so the mainstream media has that narrative, lock, stock, and barrel. But there's a number of people that seem to be questioning, was Pagosian really on that plane or not? Uh, interesting piece of information that many people may not be aware of is they had another, another private jet that that company owned that took off about an hour after Pagosian's plane, took uh, the one that went down, uh, took off. Am I correct on that? That is correct. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that there is any likelihood that Picosian could actually still be alive?
2: Uh, It's interesting you say that because that was – so I shared this uh, with my my national security group um, that deals with China. And they – you know, there's a Russian defector on that group, and he – um, he, he stated that was his first, uh, thought was, that well, we can't confirm that Prigozhin was on the plane cause we don't have the information yet. He could very well be, uh, you know, sipping a Mai Tai and a Caribbean Island. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, uh, you know, Russia is very good at deception, disinformation operations, false flag operations. Um, in this sense is, I, think that the, the easiest explanation is likely the, the correct one. I, I think it is, uh, it's likelier than not that he was taken out. Um, he was in that plane, uh, when it was uh, blown up, either, uh, blown up with a pressure bomb, uh, on the plane or else, uh, you know, a surface to air missile. Uh, and there are three possible, um, or there's three factions, I guess, or people that would have the motivation to take him out. Uh, there's of course, um, you know, Putin is, uh, you know, he rebelled against uh, the Russian government, not against Putin himself. Um, but, it, you know, it was kind of an armed protest. And it was uh, kind of a, it was really an unusual episode for Russia. I mean, um, you know, in, in Russia, we just don't see episodes like that. And obvi- obviously it was uh, really over overplayed. Uh, you know, I, I had to have some neoconservative friends who said, oh, this is the end of Putin. You know, it's just the Prigozhin's going to take over the government, you know, take him out, overthrow him. And then, uh, you know, we'll see uh, we'll see if Russia disintegrates or if, uh, you know, who takes over type of thing. And I was just like, there's no chance of that. (laughs) It was, you know, it's obvious from the start that that coup wasn't the so-called coup wasn't going to go anywhere. It wasn't a real coup. It was barely even a mutiny. Um, It was more of an armed protest. and, And my predictions proved right on that. And I said it would be resolved very quickly, uh, it was resolved within 24 hours peacefully um, with minimal casualties. I think there were maybe 30 up to 38 reported Russian casualties uh, from the protests. Um, the other the other folks uh, could be the Russian GRU, the Russian GRU, um, the Russian GRU um, won uh it, Intelligence analysts speculate. I think it was Stephen Bryan said that uh, it's possible that he could have the GRU could have taken him out without Putin's express permission. Um, I tend to doubt that theory um, because essentially what that would suggest is that uh, the GRU can assassinate people without you know without Putin's authorization. That's a separate power center. He's he's uh, not not too uh, keen on other yeah, power so centers. And then Putin of course Putin's not big on sharing his power with anyone. Exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, please forgive me David Pine. There may be so every once in a while I'm reminded that I have new listeners that come in uh to our to our network and also to my show GR the the GRN GRU or GRU, sorry. GRU. What is it?
2: It's essentially a uh Russian army military intelligence so uh, in, in the, uh, you know, we have the CIA, we kind of the CIA and FBI, the FBI takes out as counterintelligence uh, responsibilities here in the U.S., but they're not supposed to, you know, really go outside the U.S., where the CIA um, has primary responsibility for intelligence gathering abroad. Um but
1: is supposedly I'm, not supposed to be working in with the United States.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they, they do cross over and they're not supposed to do that. Uh but in in Russia it's uh completely bifurcated. I mean the, the FSB is the old KGB and they're divided between the S V R. The S V R is basically their CIA and then uh there's the uh the FSB, which is uh, you know, pretty it is pretty focused on domestic, you know counterintelligence type stuff but the gru all operates along with um you know they do both they actually uh, conduct operations within russia and primarily outside of russia they're more of a CV, svr equivalent uh but in this instance you know for uh, operations like this uh where there's an individual that's you know kind of has rebelled against uh the government um that has been exiled, but is you know visiting Russia, then then they could kind of cross over for that. So yeah, the GRU is just Russian military intelligence. So who do you think?
1: Do you think it was Putin that made this decision? This is what I want to do. Do you think he was persuaded to do it? Because I, I, I this is my opinion. I don't think anybody did this without Putin's uh, Putin's blessing uh at one time uh prigozhin was a, a friend of putin a supporter of putin um prigozhin was allowed to go to his home to take some, take firearms out of it he was allowed to take gold so you know he wasn't he he would have been arrested if putin hadn't um allowed him to move around and i don't think his plane would have been taken down because, like you said, that creates a power vacuum or the appearance of someone else having power, and Putin doesn't want to share that.
2: Yeah, I think Putin's the likely suspect um, in this instance, and we know of um, a total of 14 Russian government officials or former officials that um, have died under mysterious circumstances, uh, which, you know, the Russian government, uh, you know, specifically Putin, is likely responsible you know, we haven't seen um, uh, you know, Putin is not a Hitler, he's not a he's not a Stalin. There's been no mass murder uh within within Russia that we're aware of, but he he has definitely taken out uh any any uh major political challengers, or in the case of Navalny, you know, puts him in prison more or less indefinitely. Um, or you know, poisons them. Sometimes they die, sometimes they don't. Uh, so that is that's absolutely true. Um, so I do think it was most likely Putin, whether he gave express authorization or just kind of, you know, nodded, you know, type of thing, just, just said, uh, you know, you have basically he, he may have just told the GRU, uh, you have my authorization to take him out at some point in the next. So, you know, so often. But um, he did he did die on the two month anniversary of the of the uh, the mutiny, essentially. Uh, which was the 23rd on Wednesday, so um, uh, that's that doesn't seem like a coincidence.
1: <laughs> that that sounds like a message.
2: Yeah, that that that
1: very much sounds. In fact, it kind of makes me wonder if there was a cell phone call. Uh, check you, check you on the other side, guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, my guess is that was that was done, and it was not just a coincidence. Uh, so, how does this move? Did, how does this strengthen Putin, or how does it weaken him? Um, he is much more concerned on uh, he is much co- more concerned about how he looks within his own country than he is without, from without. But how does this strengthen or or harm him within Russia, and also? Uh, his allies. How does this make him look for to, with his allies?
2: It makes it look like he's uh, firmly in power, um, and he's not going to stand for uh, the type of not, you know mischief or nonsense that uh, you know Prigozhin started. I mean, that was really a really a foolish endeavor. Um, obviously, Prigozhin felt like uh, he and Putin had made up after being yelled at. Uh, word is that all of all of the, uh, uh Wagner commanders, uh, the top commanders, I think there were like 38 of them, uh, were summoned to, to Moscow, to the Kremlin, and they all got chewed out by Putin for free, for three straight hours. So, um, you know, I, I think there was a deal between Putin and, and, uh, um, Prigozhin that, uh, he would, if he went into exile, that he would be spared. But, um, you know, Purgoshin really tempted
1: fate, you know, because he didn't really. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. I thought he was supposed to be in Belarus and, and you know, long as he was in Belarus, he was good.
2: Exactly. He kept coming back to, to Russia. He kept acting like the leader of Wagner when he had essentially been removed and he kept recruiting. Uh, all of all of those three things, I think, were violations of his agreement with Putin. So. He thought uh, he could resume uh, previous operations when, uh, uh, you know, my understanding is that he was essentially fired from uh, from uh, being the head of Wagner, uh, with the possible exception of uh, whatever Wagner troops went to uh Baylor Bruce. So, uh, yeah, he just acted as if nothing had ever happened, nothing had happened, and he would just... Uh, you know, proceed as normal. And uh, that was his fault. I think he uh, overreached and did not comply with the terms of the agreement. Um, It's possible he could have survived if he'd uh, kind of, you know, gone into hiding in Belarus or just, you know, just uh, stayed in exile. But um, he was a little bit too, um, too high profile. You know, we didn't see him disappear like uh, General uh, Servikin. uh, well, let's,
1: uh, let's continue this conversation on the other side of this break. This is Republic Broadcasting Network, and I am your host, John of Talk with John.
3: Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier, look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. we talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air. And 30 years in this profession. at kettle Marine ltd at cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, sierra madre precious metals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense.
4: Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at libertystickers.com. Again, that's libertystickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. I remember when,
0: I remember, I remember.
5: Republic
1: Broadcasting so much, Network. Baby. This is Talk with John, and right now I have David Pine joining me once again. Thank you for coming back to us uh, and joining me here on Republic Broadcasting Network, uh, David. So uh, let's get back to it. What? So we were talking in the before the first break. We were talking about uh, what is this Pogosian uh, plane crash. First of all, uh, do we think that it was taken, that, uh, it was Putin that actually did it? Uh, you think that it, that it was, we also had a question on whether he actually was taken out or whether he was allowed to possibly live and fly off in another plane. Um, so, uh, at the moment, kind of your, your, your thought, you were going into your thoughts right before we hit break that, yes, this is, um, that he, he, he probably was eliminated. Um, he also had, there was also another supporter of the Wagner group at one point in time that was arrested a couple months ago. Um, so, uh, and, and. Purgosian had been told, hey, you go in Belarus, stay there, I'll leave you alone. But he'd been going back and forth uh, from Russia uh, too, too often. And uh, this, this is definitely an MO of Putin to say, uh, no, I'm in control here.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I was, as I was saying before the break, um, you know, this is um – this was only part of uh, of a move by Putin to re uh, exert control and show himself over in full control of the of Russia and the Russian military. Um, General uh, Sergei Surovikin, um, it was the also uh, known as General Armageddon, uh, served as commander of uh, the Russian group of forces in Ukraine uh, during the last few months of uh, last year and was replaced in January uh, by. Um, the chief of the general staff uh general gerasimov uh but he remained deputy commander of the group of forces uh in Ukraine um but then he uh somehow he crossed swords with Putin and uh, it was believed uh, to uh, be uh at least somewhat supportive of prigozhin and that really kind of doomed him uh he was fired the day before uh, prigozhin was killed um he was was serving in um as Commander-in-Chief of the Aerospace Forces of of the Russian Federation. Um, The Aerospace Forces was, uh, I think he was the first commander of the Aerospace Forces. So the the, uh, Aerospace Forces uh, was uh, the the result of a merger between the Russian Air Force and the Russian Air Defense Forces, which used to be their own, essentially their own branch of, of the Russian military. Uh, But the aerospace forces have both uh, offensive and defensive responsibilities, including um, national missile defense. Uh, They being in control of uh, Russia's massive uh, national missile defense system consisting of about 10,000 ABMs that can shoot down uh, at least 1,000 of our uh, reentry vehicles in in the event of nuclear war.
6: Well, well,
1: so... Is this really teaching us anything that we don't already know about Putin or his power and control over uh, Russia? Other than maybe there were some people that recently were questioning uh, whether he was in control or now. You said you had a friend uh, that when uh, the offense, when Prigozhin took the Wagner group and was going up towards Moscow, uh, you you shared with me that uh, you had a friend who... Who said, "Hey, I think there's a chance that uh, Putin's losing his power now uh, well, other than consolidating the fact that no he's in total control have we does this teach us anything else
2: uh no well what it teaches us is that all the reports uh that uh, stemmed from the Purgosian rebellion. Uh, from the the leftists uh, and the neo neoconservatives, the Republican Party, as well as liberal Democrats, uh, neoliberals uh, of the Biden persuasion, that uh, Putin was going to you know be greatly weakened by the Pergosian, uh armed protests, or he was you know he was on his way out, uh, and there would be rival centers of power. Uh, all of those predictions have proven completely false. Uh, even you know neoconservatives are now saying. Um, at least, at least in the in short term, Putin is uh, is strengthened by uh, the elimination of Prigozhin um, and perhaps the sacking of uh, Sierovikin as well.
1: Okay, so let's uh, let's go to the next step. We're now almost two years into the this uh, Ukrainian. Do we call it a war? Is it an offensive? What would be the Yeah, it's
2: a war. It's uh, I call it the Russo-Ukrainian war. Um, so, so we're uh,
1: there. There are plenty on the neocon side. The Ben Shapiro's, the uh, Nikki Haley that that are saying this is a good thing that this war is happening. We need to support Ukraine. Um, even Fox had the Ukrainian flag up on their uh, <laughs> s- some of their stuff so we know f- where Fox firmly fits right um, uh, f- f- during the Republican debate so my, my question to you is uh, well my, the question I'm going to pose to you is who's winning this is this a stalemate is this their uh, Vietnam for russia we'll answer that question on the other side of this commercial break this is talk with john with david pine he and uh we will be back right on the other side of this commercial break
3: you are tuned in
6: to the republic broadcasting network visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org it's the best around and be sure to stop by our store it's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and
5: join the social media revolution
0: extend your life with extendovite
5: everyone around me seems to get sick but me my brother got the flu twice my mother was down with some sort of fever People at work were taking sick days off, and others were just plain tired and run down. And me? Well, I just keep feeling great all the time with Extendivite. My grandfather used to talk about the power of garlic and other herbs he took that kept him healthy. I'm lucky. Extendivite was just what I needed to keep me healthy, and Extendivite is all natural. Extendivite was designed for the heart, but does so much more by keeping me healthy all the time. I'll take Extendivite forever. Get your two month supply for only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. My name is Rick, and you can be like me just by calling 1 928 8822 or visit heartdrop.com.
0: Extend your life with extend
6: i got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country boats can survive.
1: All right, folks, this is Talkin' John on Republic Broadcasting Network, and right now I am with David Pine. Uh, David, we are so grateful to have you. David Pine is the... Uh, Task force. He's the deputy, deputy Director of National Operations for the Task Force on National and Homeland Security. And uh, he had a recent new-selling book, uh, Catastrophe Now, America's Last Chance to Avoid an EMP Disaster. Uh, that's something you want to go check out. Also, you can go to his substack at uh, dpine.com. On Substack. And, oh, sorry. D-P-Y-N-E dot Substack dot com. All right. Folks, uh, let's get back to it. Um, Before we went to break, I said, so what, uh, where is this, where is this war at? And then also we want to cover another sub question to the, or another thing we want to talk about is the debate. what we learned about some of the candidates and uh, their desires. So, uh, David, where are we at with the Ukraine war? Um, Is Russia fully in control of this? Could they end it at any given time? Or is uh, Ukraine actually given legitimate resistance and even surprised maybe Russia a little bit?
2: So here's the secret that, that the liberal media refuses to state, and that is uh, Russia's been trying to end the war since day two of the war. I uh, mean, they've had terms on the table, uh, which they have, they clearly told Ukraine, if you meet these conditions, we will withdraw our troops from Ukraine. Now, that's changed a little bit with the, uh, you know, initially it was it was just, we will pull out all our troops except for the Donbass region, which... Uh, uh, would be a loss of 6.4% of Ukraine's pre-war controlled territory. Um, then they, because uh, as I predicted in April of last year, um, that if, uh, if uh, Ukraine did not resume peace negotiations, then they would um, have all four uh, additional Ukrainian oblasts um, annexed in uh, Donetsk, uh, Luhansk, uh, Zaporizhia, and Kherson, And that's exactly what Putin did in September of last year. And so the peace terms have changed a bit uh, to be essentially a ceasefire in place and an armistice agreement uh, that would at least recognize uh, Russian de facto control of the newly, what they call the newly annexed territories, uh, would not return any, uh, any occupied territory or annexed territory to Ukrainian control. Uh, But it also uh, might not take any, any uh, additional territory away. So, I mean, that, That to me, if I were Ukrainian, that would be uh, extremely attractive, not nearly as attractive as the peace terms uh, Russia offered between um, March and September of last year. But uh, it would give them 88 percent of their pre-war controlled territory, uh, which along with security guarantees provided by the U.S., Britain and France, uh, no NATO membership, but security guarantees nevertheless that would commit uh, the U.S. to essentially resume full scale arm uh, shipments in the event of uh, Russian aggression, uh, you know, that way they could rebuild their, their country. They could uh, return the refugees. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, all that. So
1: it's about the peace, take it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. Kind of a yes, no, if Russia, if, if Putin really desired, could he go and end this war in a matter of, A few weeks to a month, maybe a couple of months, without even using nuclear weapons.
2: Um, He could do it using uh, massive cyber attack, uh, EMP weapons, Uh, super EMP. That would be a nuclear weapon. Technically, it'd be an airburst that wouldn't kill anyone on the ground uh, directly, but uh, EMP could, you know, kind of shut down uh, most of Ukraine shut down their, uh, electronic, uh, network, you know, their power grid rather, uh, food distribution system, you know, transport, all that communications. Uh, so either of those two could, could win the war for Russia within weeks. Um, he could also has 300,000 troops in reserve that he could use to, um, kind of surround, uh, uh tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops in, in Southeast Ukraine. Um, You know, the whole argument that Nikki Haley and especially Mike Pence, you know, that was a really idiotic. Let's get into the debate, how they, you know, so the the neocon thought
1: process by Mike Pence and Nikki Haley and the Ben Shapiros of the world is, hey, let's just use this war to bleed Russia dry. You know, they're 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 on their last legs. It's killing their economy. Um, It's uh, draining their resources. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah. Senator Mitt Romney uh, reiterated that in in a in a social media post. He he said that, um, uh, you know, we have we have to keep supporting Ukraine to stop uh, Putin from his accomplishing his dream of reestablishing the the old Soviet Union. uh, And that'll be the best way to uh, to weaken China so um everything to quote luke skywalker in the movie the last jedi everything he just, he just said was wrong um and i could go through that um not sure we want to focus on all the reasons why it's wrong but um yeah it's uh, i mean if you look at a scoreboard uh you know, traditional metrics of who's winning the war um you know ukraine has lost 30 percent of its gdp Uh, They've lost 36% of their population since 2014, since the Russian invasion of Crimea. Um, That includes 8 million million, uh, citizens in the annexed territories, plus 8 million refugees. They've lost nearly a fifth of their territory. Um, Half their businesses have been forced to close. Uh, They've got 25% unemployment. And their cities are wrecked. Uh, Their uh, energy production is down 50%. I mean, Ukraine has really been crushed. Um, essentially, they've lost the war, but Zelensky refuses to admit it. Um, and the, the problem is, uh, Russia is winning, but it hasn't won. Uh, that's kind of a strange way to put it. But um, you know, uh, you mentioned Vietnam. Uh, there are some parallels to to the war in Vietnam uh, in the sense that Russia has lost about the same number of troops, uh, perhaps 50 to 60 thousand dead, versus about 200 thousand Ukrainian dead. Um, But, uh, I mean, we lost 58,000 dead in in Vietnam, and that was over, I think, a a seven to ten year period. Um, Another comparison is uh, Putin has essentially forced the Russian military to fight uh, with one anti behind its back. Obviously, he hasn't allowed them to, uh, you know, wage war on civilians. Uh, That's a good thing. I don't think that it would have helped his war effort at all if he had. Um, and he he's held back these, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of reserve troops, which he could have used uh, for an offensive way back in uh, probably January, February or March uh, for, you know, one clear reason is that he doesn't he's got already got you know, the Russians said in September, we, you know, we are want to accept a permanent ceasefire because we've accomplished most of our military objectives and in uh, the Biden administration just lies about it. They're like, oh, well, we've seen no no effort on the Russian side or no signs that they want to even consider peace. Well, maybe and, it's because Hunter hasn't gotten enough kickbacks yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, the latest is that it could be because uh, Zelensky is blackmailing Biden. Uh, if he doesn't keep giving him hundreds more billions of, of dollars in aid, then he can spill the beans. I'm, I'm sure he has. He's, uh, you know, got all the all the conversations, uh, you know, the the uh, telephone recordings in which Biden is pressuring um, uh, the Burisma CEO to uh, to you know oligarch to to give him uh, you know five million in bribes for him and five million bribes for his, his uh, son Hunter. So, um, you know, Biden Biden could be. Uh, essentially an agent of Ukraine and and China at the same time. And that's really the scary thing is he he uh, I really believe he is a man during Canada. Uh, President Trump was absolutely correct. when He he stated that on his Tucker interview. And, uh, you know, he's essentially letting Zelensky call the shots in a Russia policy. And that's a very dangerous thing to do, because uh, Zelensky is is really a hothead. You know, he's trying to start World War Three between uh, the U.S. and Russia and NATO, uh, whereas uh, Putin is trying, you know, he's trying to end the war um, with these, you know, peace initiatives and all that. And, and that's that's really the reason the war broke out in the first place, because Russia offered a comprehensive peace agreement that was was essentially meant to be permanent in the form of a treaty, uh, which a uh, mutual security treaty, both for the U.S. and NATO. And while there were a few, I mean, his the one he offered in NATO, I thought was 100 percent acceptable. But the one he offered to the U.S. had three major issues that I would have pushed back on. But, the, um, you know, just the very the very fact that he'd been uh, trying to have a mutual security agreement with uh, the U.S. and NATO for the past, uh, well, it was 15 years at the time before he invaded uh, shows that, you know, uh, war was not his first choice, let alone territorial acquisition. And, uh, you know, whether, you know, Mike Pence just made a fool of himself on national TV when he said that. Uh, Putin's a new Hitler, and he's trying to establish the old Soviet Union. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't even want to take Kharkiv. You know, the the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv is the second largest city in in Ukraine. It's uh, 50 miles from the Russian border on on the Far East. And um, they could have easily taken it, uh, you know, at the onset of the war, and and Putin chose not to. So if he wanted to take Warsaw or Berlin or let alone Vilnius— um, he would have, you know, he would have at least tried to to make a move for more of more of Ukraine. And he's he's held back these hundreds of thousands of reserve troops from even being able to make an offensive. I think the offensive is really his. That would be his Plan C. You know, uh, Plan Plan A was uh, peace and uh, ending the war as quickly as possible. Plan B was annexation, and Plan C, I think, is is uh, making another another go at um, Eastern Ukraine and and Kiev. <clears throat>
1: So I this this situation in Russia kind of reminds me uh especially between um Putin and Zelensky reminds me of a situation where you have a very strong individual uh and you have that little just guy that likes to just you know snipe at people and and, and poke fun at them and Putin just doesn't even need to respond almost to Volensky. Uh, you know he just he's being very he's being very calm with him all he needs to do is slap him down Zelensky, I think he's a little bit of an idiot uh, he, he starts mouthing off too much he might get taken out by not only Putin but there's a chance that someone in the United States could say okay he's about to say too much and uh, it's time to time to take him out on our end and like through the CIA or something like that. Um, okay. So I want to get a little bit more into what happened in the, uh, in the debate. Vivek Ramaswamy, you've you've mentioned here on these airwaves that you're a supporter of his. He flew you out to talk to him and uh, uh, to meet with him, to go over, Uh, recommendations on what to do uh, for policy and to state his policy when it comes to Ukraine. He was the strongest about ending it. I don't think anybody else came across uh, in in any way, shape or form about talking about ending Ukraine. Um, What are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, you know, Vivek is courageous. He's fearless. Uh, You know, he graciously invited me to uh, brief him, uh, give him a briefing about how to end the war in Ukraine in his headquarters uh, back in May. And uh, he did end up using some of the, you know, some of the um, ideas that I had for ending the war in his um, peace plan that he he published in the Federalists uh, on June 6th. Uh, So that was very flattering, Uh, but he's, uh, he's just been remarkable. You know, Um, he, um, he really is, is all, I I would call him Trump without the Trump, you know, (laughs) he's essentially uh, an idea guy. And he's brilliant. You know, Trump is is smart, but he's not brilliant. Uh, He's certainly brilliant in terms of businesses, because you can't be a billionaire without being brilliant, you know, self-made billionaire. Um, But in terms of, um, you know, he has all the same right instincts that Trump does, but he also um, is much more policy, you know, specific policy related. Um, He has an actual plan to end the war. Um, Trump wants to end the war but he demonstrated on Sean Hannity that he doesn't have a, a viable plan to end the war. Uh, but, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy does. And, um, it's a lot of what I just, just said. It's, um, uh, essentially accepting the, the Russian uh, ceasefire offer. Uh, they wouldn't get any territory. Ukraine wouldn't lose any more territory. Um, you know, no, no NATO membership for Ukraine. Uh, but yeah, you saw that, uh, Oh, um, I was almost surprised because um, this is a position, you know, opposing any additional aid to Ukraine is a position that, according to the latest CNN poll, is shared by 71 percent of the Republican electorate. And of all the candidates, uh, there was only one. It was Vivek that that raised his hand. Um, DeSantis kind of half raised his hand. And he said that he would oppose any additional aid unless uh, Europe, the EU countries stepped up and started you know doubling essentially doubling their aid, which could happen if we pressured them to. uh but DeSantis was you know kind of trying to appease the base. well really, I think his instincts are are with Vivek mainly, but uh the donors are pushing him in the other direction, kind of the neocon direction so um he's yeah. definitely he definitely wins the second place showing for uh Ukraine war issues uh behind Trump and Vivek, I guess third place. Uh, but Vivek, uh, you know, has has a solid plan and and uh, it, I, it really would work. And I think, uh, you know, especially if we were to pressure uh, EU countries to say the same thing. I mean, uh, Zelensky would, um, you know, within three days, he'd be like, OK, let's talk. I'm ready to talk to Putin directly, <laughs> you know, and he actually was willing to do that back in March, um, interestingly enough, before he, he decided to, um, you know, this whole Buka buka mess. I think it was a Ukrainian false flag. Um, I'm sure there were, there were a few, you know, Ukrainian civilians that may have been murdered. Um, uh, but, uh, it was Buka that was the turning point where Ukraine, you know, Zelensky used that as an excuse to, to abandon, um, the tentative peace agreement that he had signed with, uh, with Russia.
1: Okay. Um, I do want to ask you, uh, is this draining Russia's resources? But you also said you had you wanted to. Uh, do you have any more thoughts you want to share about the uh, RNC debate?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it was what I thought was interesting. You know, I did expect uh, most of the you know some of the second the second and third tier candidates to go after DeSantis because DeSantis was the number two guy, clear number two. Uh, Vivek is catching up on him, and in some polls, he's in second. Uh, but instead, they gained up on Vivek, and I thought that was he really did. and and it was mainly, you know, it's for two reasons. Uh, because he's surging, you know, he's beginning to surge um, uh, into ties, you know, with uh, DeSantis uh, as the the only viable, you know, option to Trump. Uh, that's really what this debate was all about. And it, incidentally, it was all about who who can be the only viable option to Trump and get in, you know get into second place and, and have a strong second place versus DeSantis, where he's clear second place, but he's 40 points behind Trump in the polls. And uh, yeah, no one really succeeded in breaking out. Vivek clearly was, um, you know, he and DeSantis were the winners of the debate uh, by every, any means. You know, polls, uh, even Trump said Vivek won. Um, DeSantis, you know, he I think he overperformed Uh, Vivek, I thought performed to expectation, but Vivek's expectation, uh, for performance was really high. So he did exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, some people think Haley did well, and and there's at least one poll that shows her getting the double digits. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if she uh, goes into third place behind Vivek and overtakes Pence. Um, because I thought Pence was really on the defensive. You know, he, he looked pretty bad. He There were a couple moments where he seemed to do okay. Uh, but overall, I thought Pence was one of the, you know, the the big losers of the debate because he was so defensive against uh, Vivek. It was really, you know, he was, as a former former vice president, I thought he behaved um, unpresidentially. Um, you know, certainly Vivek, uh, you know, got on everyone's nerves when he said, you guys are all bought and paid for and, I would say that yeah. with DeSantis yeah. DeSantis is not bought and paid for, but he's he's definitely influenced uh by by his donors who are pushing him in the wrong direction. He's he's a solid America First Conservative. That's where he's he stands uh personally, but he he's thinking that you know in order to run and, and keep his donations flowing, he has to pretend that he's uh kind of in between, uh, which is disappointing. Uh, but he's—I uh, th- I still think he would be a solid. You know, he's—he's he's my second choice behind Vivek.
1: Okay. So, right now, for president, Vivek is your number one. DeSantis is number two, and Trump's
2: number three. Yep. Trust my number three. Trump is—you uh, know—maybe he'd be a little higher if he—if he didn't have all these uh, bogus indictments. You know, when you've got ninety. To 119 indictments, and polls show that if if you're in, if you're convicted of even one felony, then only 35 percent of Republicans will vote for you. Um, I mean that is that would be an insane disaster. I mean we we haven't seen a landslide election since Reagan or Bush in '88 was probably the last time when he won 40 states. Um, if uh, if Trump only won you know 50 percent of the Republican vote, let alone 35 percent, I mean, it would just it would be an overwhelming Democrat victory. And a lot of great Republican, great conservatives in Congress would go down to defeat. So I do fear that Trump is unelectable. But on the issues, I'm an issues guy. And I think uh, Trump's number three um, on the issues. If if Vivek and DeSantis were running, um, Trump would be my first choice. Okay, so. I want to get to,
1: uh, we've just got a couple minutes left. I want to get your thoughts on, actually, first, I'd like you to tell my audience how they can find you, uh, find more information about you, and then I want you to answer the question of, is Russia's resources being drained, like we're being told by the mainstream media uh, as well as uh, the neocon message?
2: Yeah, so my uh, if people want to learn more more about me or read my latest articles and posts, uh, please go to the Real War newsletter, which is at dpyne.substack.com. Once again, dpyne.substack.com. Um, I've got about thirty seven hundred and fifty subscribers, so I'm kind of inching up there. I'm recommended by uh, John Mearsheimer on his Substack, so that's uh, been getting get me some good uh, subscriber increases as well, but. Uh, I've got a lot of interviews posted. Um, You know, I do try to do a few interviews at least every week uh, with my latest uh, thoughts on national security and political issues. But what was your question again?
1: We're... The neocon message, the mainstream media message seems to be when it comes to this war, uh, as far as how it's affecting Russia, is this is really draining them, it's weakening their resources, it's draining their resources, it's draining their uh, militarily. What are your thoughts there?
2: So while it is true that that uh, Russia has lost over 50,000 killed in action and over that many wounded um, and has probably lost a couple thousand armored vehicles, armored fighting vehicles in the war. Um, overall, uh, I would say the war has served to strengthen Russia, the Russian military, because they've expanded the size of the Russian military uh, from about a million uh, to 1.5 million um, uh, troops or, or military servicemen, and, and that's just to you know give your audience a question or uh, an idea of how big that really is. Uh, that's how many troops uh, the Soviet Union had in 1939. So uh, he's built up the so, the Russian military back to Soviet-era levels, um, you know, and that's not really something we want to see. So essentially, Russia was not a threat in terms of intent prior to the war. I mean, they, of course, they have the capability to destroy us, but intent is, is a huge thing. But we're provoking them to p- perhaps cyber attack us, uh, you know, take down our satellites. Uh, destroy our way of life if we continue uh, with, uh, you know, Biden's escalating uh, manufactured war in Ukraine. So uh, I'd like to see peace as soon as possible, like Trump and debate.
1: Well, that's exactly what I want. We need peace over in Russia and Ukraine so we can have it throughout the rest of the world. And then we can get to work here in the United States. Exactly. Let's take the money. Let's take the money and send it to to, to Hawaii and to the southern border, as opposed to sending it to Ukraine. Yeah. All right. David. David Pine, thank you for joining me. Everyone, have a wonderful Sabbath. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining me here on Republic Broadcasting. This has been Talk with John here on Republic Broadcasting Network. Talk to you next week.
0: in five.
7: The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com.
6: You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.